This is Nadia from the Relativity Podcast. Speaking for myself, Marcus, the flight director, and Dr. Mason, it is our pleasure to welcome you to the 250th episode of Discussing Who. We want to do a science fiction series. C.S. Lewis meets H.G. Wells meets Father Christmas. That's the Doctor. Doctor Who? Hmm? Action! You've really got something here. It was not very well. No one's ever placed, boy. The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and I would like to welcome everyone to the 250th episode of Discussing Who. And since it's a celebration, because, hey, it's got to be a celebration, that means I get to start introductions by saying, welcome back, Nicole Maza. Nicole. Hi. How are you? Hi, everybody. Doing pretty good. Welcome back. How are you? What's going on with you? Uh, not much. Uh, I mean, uh, there's been a lot going on in my life, but nothing nothing too crazy. You're channeling your inner second doctor, I think, today. <laughs> Why do you say that? For the Oh, for the uh, Yeti, my new microphone. Yes. Yeah, he's very furry. I, I keep wanting to pet it, but that would be bad for sound. So. Well, well <laughs> thank you for refraining from petting the Yeti, but hey, welcome back. We are glad that you're here. It's been, a, you know, we've been trying to schedule, but we got you on episode 250. Welcome, welcome back, but welcome also back, Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? Doing good, man, and I would say celebrate good times, but, you know, pandemic. But we're here talking about Doctor Who, and I guess that's enough to be elated about. So glad to be here with you guys, and for episode 250. Wow. Yes, indeed. And wow, that's a good segue to say, wow, welcome back, Lee Shackelford. Thank you very much, sir. And yeah, I, wow sums it up. I just, I, I said it out loud to my wife today that tonight we're recording our 250th episode and we just sort of looked at each other like, how, how is that even possible? But, <laughs> and yet here we are. And yet here we are. And, and Yeti, yet, here we are. And Yeti, and yeti here, here we, we are. are. <laughs> it's, it's been a it's, long road getting from there to here. <laughs> yes, indeed. And it feels, and I know where you're going, but I'm not going to go he, there. He didn't sing yet. it. He, did, he didn't sing Quite it. Yet, no, not yet. Because <laughs> I want this to literally be, you ready for it? Mm. I literally want this to be an adventure in space and time tonight. Seriously. So it will be. You've been but waiting we, to use that one, haven't you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But we do have some news, and I want to go backward in time just to maybe a couple of weeks. And Nicole, since we've not had a chance to talk to you, specifically since all this news has been breaking Doctor Who, in a nutshell, summary view, Chibnall is leaving, but so is Jodie Whittaker in 2022. Your thoughts? Summary what? View. They're leaving? I had not heard. No, I'm, yeah. I'm kidding. I can't even. Spoilers. I can't yeah. even do that <laughs> with a straight face. Um, so I remember my first reaction was, oh, my God, yay. And then I realized that I think kind of what you guys said, where I'm happy for Chibnall to be leaving. But I 
feel like Jody got a raw deal. And I, I, it's not so much, I think that she would have been, she, I think she had potential and I'm sad that she's leaving before that potential is realized. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Kind of sad that she's leaving, but I don't know. I'm actually more scared of the, we don't know what's happening coming up. Like we don't have a new showrunner uh, that we know of yet. So that I'm actually more nervous about that than anything. Mm-hmm. Sure. I've been through the wilderness years. I remember this. <laughs> and you know, one of the, of course, the rumor mill is, is going uh, over time as it does. But one of the rumors that has intrigued me is uh, that uh, the actual possibility that Joe Straczynski might be the showrunner. Uh, he mm. says he says that conversations are being held, he says. Wow. Which, which may just mean that that's the BBC saying, no. Um, <laughs> or he's just talking to himself at home. That's or, right. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't specify any more than that. Yeah, but uh, right. As as a big fan of Babylon Five, I would be. Uh, I'd be very tickled if he was the showrunner. But um, who knows? Who knows? You know, my thought on him is, yes, I did love, tremendously love Babylon Five. But I do know that, and I know Marvel has a hand in pretty much anything in their properties, especially Spider-Man. But I do know that he also penned one of the most hated Spider-Man stories of all time, which is One More Day. So, mm. yeah. But yes, I do love Babylon 5. I will Interesting go you should bring up One More Day. <laughs> uh, <Indeed>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a great that's for another podcast but yes a great run day. on thor too by the way but yes yes indeed but yes I, I mean i love i loved babylon 5 i mean seriously absolutely loved it and who knows who as you said who knows i just but I, Lee, he's an american i just think that's the end of the discussion right there yeah that's there. what's kind of making me think it probably not Sally Wainwright or whatever her name is. I could see that one. I've I've seen that rumor. She's the one that is currently doing Gentleman Jack. And she's done a lot of uh, British properties. uh, I think mostly for the BBC. I can't remember what channel Gentleman Jack is on in England. But anyway, I could see her maybe. But an American, that would be... I mean, it could happen. But it would be a surprise. Hmm. So just looking over, yep, she's Gentleman Jack, The Walk, Invisible, Happy Valley, The Last Witch, Last Tango in Halifax, Scott and Bailey, I've heard of that. Oh, okay. Interesting. And Gentleman Jack has the, the TARDIS or Idris in it, um, uh, Saran Jones. So there's a little bit of a Doctor Who tie-in there. So. Have we ever had a female showrunner for Doctor Who? I don't think, have we? Verity. Verity was considered <laughs> the same thing as a showrunner. Well, there wasn't really that term in the classic series. So it's kind of, she was a producer. Um, ah. But other than her, no, there there wasn't that I can think of. Am I? No, I can't think of anybody. It was like Barry Letts and, you know, Hinchcliffe and uh, obviously um, 
Oh my god. JNT. JNT, yes. I'm like, yes. why is his name blanking on me? I'm just saying Hawaii. Because you don't shirt. want to think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Blocking it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, Nicole, thanks for that. And for the other part of the news, Lee, you mentioned on a previous episode when we were talking about Susan Foreman, and specifically we're going to be talking about Susan here again tonight. Sure. You mentioned already purchasing, waiting for it to come out after the Dalek, which would be starring Karen, Carol Ann Ford from Big Finish, of course. So you have it now. You've listened to some of it. Initial thoughts. Yeah, I'm about halfway through it, and I'm really enjoying it. It's, um, I, I think I can, I can do a commercial without doing spoilers because, um, um, you know, I'm a big fan of um, H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds and all of its incarnations. One of the things that I've always been intrigued by is that uh, there's a soldier who, um, it, when things are at their worst, he's saying, you know what I'd do if I had one of them tripod machines? <laughs> and he spends this whole fantasy about basically taking over the world with it the way the Martians have done. It's like, well, geez. The, <laughs> uh, so, so is this who we are? If, if we were in that situation, would we just want to, you know, do exactly what the, the oppressors are doing? Um, and um, there's a little bit of that in this story. It does take place. It, it picks up really kind of the moment after the doctor leaves in um, um, Dalek invasion of earth. And, so it is about picking up the mess after the Daleks have been defeated. But like in the, an idea they're exploring in the MCU, for example, um, after an alien invasion, there's a lot of alien crap lying around. And if an unscrupulous person mm. got their hands on it. Interesting. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I've definitely been very curious about that story because I liked an earthly child <laughs> i don't want to say mm-hmm. unearthly child unearthly child um, earth, yes. which was <laughs> yeah so i am kind of curious about playing in that little story time there with a uh, susan post doctor so yeah it's it's very interesting i do wish i i, I said this earlier that that if i had a um a misgiving about it it's not a gripe it's just i i i think it, it might in some ways have been wiser to tell a story that takes place later in her life because it has been a long time and she really does not sound like susan anymore but you know you you use your imagination you um you you try to see her in your mind as being a teenage Mm. susan but um could it be that she's just got a very as a gallifreyan as a time lady could it just be that she has such a vivid memory that these are recordings of her memory, and but it is an older Susan remembering this. That's why you're hearing it in the older voice. Yeah. Well, she starts off as the, as a narrator, so I mean, she she's also a narrator in the story. So, um, yeah, that kind of supports that idea. I'll buy it. Or maybe you know the war. She just like aged a lot in the war. I mean, that's it's not... been a tough time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Grandfather left. She put yep. on a couple hundred years. Right. You know? <laughs> Boom. Just like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Why not? But it, it does. It does do what I was always hoping a a, a post Dalek invasion story would do, and it reckons with the fact that really the Doctor has just up and left her. Uh, there is a certain aspect of Susan 
who is very capable and, of course, super intelligent and, you know, Gallifreyan. But there is sort of her saying, the hell. Yeah, I mean, she just met David. Right. I mean, (laughs) he just, like, dumps her off with him. Right. She's not there planning a family with David. She's like, well, now I guess I am going to figure out what I think about this guy since I've been left with him. (laughs) Yeah. So the the script takes that very seriously. And it's... uh, Anyway, I... I recommend it very highly. It's just, it really is just terrific. And it's, in the U.S., it's 13 bucks. Download it and put it in your ears. And you heard it from us. There you go. But I have a question for Clarence real quick. Clarence, you mentioned over the weekend, and you said that you had thought about or maybe did, I can't remember which, going back and watching the Dalek invasion of Earth. Did you do that? I actually did watch the first three episodes of it. I didn't hmm. make it to the the, the best part. <laughs> I think I kind of crashed out on the third episode. It got kind of boring to me, so I kind of didn't continue. But I do want to finish it out when I have time. Uh, but I, I uh, going back to what Lee just said of her liking to this guy. I mean, they they kind of foreshadow it a lot in the story of. Oh, you're you're really take the word of this guy over mine, don't you? <laughs> what the doctor says. So, um, they're they're definitely trying to foreshadow it and and get our own out of there. So yeah, it's kind of sad in that way, but I can't wait to finish it. Well, considering the fact that we have more than not episodes in series seven, that will be since we usually do a classic story after we finish up a series we will make sure and do dalek invasion of earth while it's semi-fresh on your memory after series seven so cool or you could do the movie the movie version is sort of the truncated weirder version of that story oh the peter cushing yeah the peter cushing second movie that's true which does does dalek coming out of the water as well I think I believe so, yeah. It's been a minute since I've seen it. It has a Wilf in it. It has a young oh. Bernard Cribbins, it does indeed. Yeah. yeah. That's reason enough. Yeah. <laughs> believe it or not, I've never seen those because I watched about five or ten minutes of the first one. It was so different that I was like, uh uh-uh. uh. And maybe right. we do need to watch that so that we can sit there and say, Wow, this is so different. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. I, I find them charming. I, I'm also a really big Peter Cushing fan. I'm I like grew yeah. up on Hammer horror movies, so it it's a little easy for me. But the, I think if you take it as something separate than the main show, it's a little better. Because if you're yeah. constantly comparing it, then it's just going to fall flat. Well, it's it takes place in a parallel dimension. Yeah, I have I, I read this fan theory somewhere, and I and I took it on board, and it's. Um, Somebody said, uh, you know, Handy, the Metacrisis doctor that goes to live with Rose, like he starts to lose his memories, but those are the stories that he tells about his past. And so they're (laughs) slightly disjointed, like they're almost correct, but a little bit off. And yeah, so he's just got his memories are all mixed up. (laughs) And I I don't remember exactly how they did this in the novelization version. But basically, the doctor tells somebody this story that is made into a movie. And basically, and again, the novelization of The Day of the Doctor, oh, they yeah, describe. Oh, right. yeah, I still need to read that. It's very good. Very, very good. 
So before we move on, Clarence, I want to ask one thing of you. If there are anyone listening to us that is listening to us for the very first time, or if they've been listening to us for quite a while, what would you like to tell them? Oh, yeah, of course, you can support the show by subscribing, leaving a review or telling a friend. If you have a review idea, please send that in along with anything else you want us to know to discussing who at gmail.com or hit us up on any and all social medias at discussing who. Well, everyone, I want to say that it is time for me to say if you have not seen an adventure in space and time from 2013, Go out, watch this movie, come back, because for the 250th time, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? What spoilers? And I killed Sparky, too. (laughs) What are you doing in here? (laughs) Mon dieu, ma petite oiseau. I shall return. Really? The things I put up with on this ship. Be sure to subscribe to Oz9 wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out and we are back to review An Adventure in Space and Time. This is a biographical film produced for television, first airing on BBC Two on the 21st of November, 2013. Written by Mark Gatiss, the story offers a dramatized version of the events leading to the creation of Doctor Who. David Bradley starred as William Hartnell and features, amongst others, a future master, Sasha Darwin, as Waris Hussein. So, summary view, Clarence, I'll start with you. Summary view, what did you think of this story? Oh, man, I love this movie. I think it's a story that anyone can just get in and watch and just say it it feels like a good movie. My first time watching it, I didn't have a as intimate and a relationship with the classic as, as I do now. And even my classic is lacking even at this point. But even when I watched it the first time, not knowing almost anything at all about classic, I still thought it was a really good movie and really informative movie. I loved how it has this theme of change that kind of echoes throughout the whole film. And really, I wasn't, I really, really wasn't expecting to be sad <laughs> And uh, man, it, it just pulls the heartstrings throughout this whole film, and we'll get into it. But just the, the the journey of Hartnell and 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 all the change around him as this story progresses is really, really, really sad. And to see you know the foundation of of this show, and I'm sure some they took liberties in some parts of the stories, but 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 we'll get into all that. But I just enjoyed it, man. I thought it was a great story. Oh, I I just adore adventure in space and time, and um, I have have worked around uh, uh, TV shows on that scale just enough to to feel like I really appreciate kind of what Warris Hussein is up against, but also what uh, Verity's up against, and um, it struck me once again. It's like I keep forgetting about this. The title that Margatus has chosen is brilliant because. 
part of the problem was that they don't have enough space. They don't have enough room, literal physical room to do everything that they want to do. And they're always fighting the clock. Making the show <laughs> has always been an adventure in space and time. And because it's a time and space travel show, it's easy to to miss the cleverness of that title. But yeah, everything that gets made for oh, TV wow. that goes out like that is an adventure in space and time. And uh, that just struck me again this time with such force that um, it is amazing that this show happened at all. And hats off to Verity because this part of the story we know is completely true. If she hadn't gotten in there and fought like mad for it, it would have just disappeared. And none of us would have ever seen it. But and I'm like, I'm with Clarence. I think I've, I, 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 there's so many lovely things about this story that I, that I enjoy, but I, I forget in the end how sad it is. It, it is also a, a really sad story about William Hartnell. So, and I know we'll get into it, but yeah, those are my unrehearsed and off the cuff <laughs> overview thoughts. Yeah. I was remembering as I was rewatching it that. Uh, when I first went to go watch it, uh, when it came out, that I was a little nervous about it because, you know, like a sort of uh, biographical sort of story like that. I'm like, this is going to probably be a little lame. You know, it just, <laughs> is this going to be like a Lifetime movie? You know, I wasn't really <laughs> sure. But it really captures the spirit of not just the show, but of the time and then, you know, as a fan, there's so many great things like seeing the old sets and props and costumes and color, which is like really cool. And I love just the, uh, oh, all the cameos. There were some great cameos in there that, <laughs> yes. you know, I, I watched some reactors watching it uh, recently and they didn't catch any of the cameos because they don't know classic who, but it was still like, it didn't matter. There's so many layers to it that if you're, it's someone who knows those people like, Oh my God, it's Gene Marsh or something. You can have that excitement, but you don't need to know that in order to enjoy the movie. Like you don't have to know, like my wife watched it with me when it first came out and she, she likes Doctor Who, but she didn't know any sort of production details or anything. And she loved it. So, I mean, and I, and I love the conceit of using the TARDIS. They called it the Eurometer mm -hmm. uh, for, as a storytelling mechanism for like flashbacks and, you know, moving through time through the narrative. And I thought that was, it's such a simple storytelling device, but I thought it worked really well. And so I always forget how much I like it until I rewatch it. And then, of course, I ugly cry at the end. I mean, <laughs> I was watching it again this afternoon and I was crying and my wife's like, are you OK? And I'm like, no, it's OK. And Matt Smith and, oh, you know, so it just, yeah, it's such a great story. I think even if you didn't know Doctor Who at all, and maybe even if you're just into the idea of like how TV was made back then, it would be really cool. Yeah, it, it just to add real quick, it definitely captures that spirit of the the band movie, you know, <laughs> this group that comes out of nowhere and and kind of puts their music on the scene and hears their uh, song on the radio. It it captures <laughs> all of that spirit just in yeah. a different way. Yes. You know, and in the right and in the so much the right way. I, I agree with everything i can't dispute or disagree with anything any of the three of you said the only thing i will add is the casting here 
was A plus. I mean, literally A plus. David Bradley did this role, in my opinion, so well that not only was he embodying William Hartnell playing the doctor, but did it so well that he himself became truly the first doctor on screen again, you know, just a few years later. And that right there, to me, if that's not a testament of how well he did, I don't know what is. Because literally, you know, he became the first doctor. So, so yes, wonderful. So now that we've gotten past that, I thought that this had a lot of similarities to another fan property that I believe is near and dear to both Lee and Clarence's heart, and maybe you too, Nicole, but I know specifically those two. I saw a lot of similarities between the making of Doctor Who in the beginning and Star Trek. Did you Mm. guys pick up on that too? Hmm. Not necessarily. Uh, I'd be anxious to hear what Lee says on this, but, but but no, not not in particularly for me. Um, other than it being around the same, you know, a few years apart, around the same time frame, it did make me want to say or want want to see the the Gene Roddenberry equivalent done yeah. in this with this amount of love. Well, that's true. Um, yeah. Okay, Lee, do you know where I was going with that? I guess not, because. Um, in their inception and execution, they're really opposite ends of the spectrum. I mean, to me, what's exciting about this story is that they've got nothing. And Gene Roddenberry had the the, the might of Desilu and Paramount at his back. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 a difference of powers of ten. It's so uh, in that sense. But uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know what you're thinking. No, I was just going to say, unless you're mentioning that I know they had to reshoot the pilot on Bingo. this. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, r- true. And, yeah. and Star Trek and Doctor Who are unique in, uh, in television in getting a second shot at their pilots. That, that's very true. Because there was, you know, a couple of people at their, you know, uh, where, where, the, where the money strings, the, the strings to the money bags were, who said, you know what, I think this is worth it. Most people do have no idea how many pilots are just out there in a warehouse somewhere that for every TV show that you see go into series, there's a hundred pilots that weren't made, that were made and somebody just turned thumbs down to. And, some, and, and you know, it costs a fortune to make a, a film like that. And, uh, and you make it with, the, with the, the hope that your show is going to get picked up, but the vast majority of them just don't. Verity is given the, you know, just being taught to swim by being thrown in the deep end of the pool. They, they said, we're going to do this show and it's going to be on at this time. Go. That, that's not how we do it over here. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, okay. And she was able to get it replayed because of the assassination or yes. the Kennedy assassination, which exactly. that was a whole thing it's too. Amazing. Amazing. Piss and vinegar. Piss and vinegar. There you go. <laughs> So if I were to ask you guys, what, and, and let's think of it and, and frame ourselves around this making of Doctor Who, that all the things that went between talking about it to casting it to making the first episode of An, an Unearthly Child, 
Was there any part of that that stood out specifically to you? And Nicole, I'll start with you this time. Was there anything that just stood out to you from that sequence of the story? Just as far as like the making of kind of the, stuff? The making, yeah. I mean, it just, <laughs> I mean, from a watching perspective, I was just excited that they put Delia Derbyshire in there because forever the the credits would just say, you know, theme by Ron Grainer, which, yes, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't. And the Radiophonic Workshop, yeah. Right, but it's yeah. also like Delia did such a thing with it that, you know, if she wasn't there, then it would be a whole thing. But I, I did like the idea that they completely changed the tone of the first episode, where they kind of made the first Doctor a little less brusque and kind of tamed it a little bit. Because they said, what did Sidney Newman say? Like, I want to scare the kids, not traumatize them or whatever. (laughs) But yeah, that's really all I can come up with. Awesome. All right, Lee, what about you? And those first sequence of telling the story of how it got to an earthly child, any thoughts? Well, I'm I'm with Nicole because I'm a big fan of uh, Delia Derbyshire. And uh, if if you know the stories about creating that theme, one of the, the stories that people keep retelling was that she... Um, there's no digital recording yet. That hasn't happened yet. It's all analog. And a lot of it was literally cutting pieces of, of tape and, and putting them together you yeah. know, with, with, with adhesive tape. And just to get that backing track that's going to be the bottom of everything else she mixes, do, 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 do. She had to make this mile-long piece of tape and to make sure she had the right length. She dragged it out of the hall, which, you know, for a lot of us as sort of uh, technical people, we're like, oh, you're dragging it in the... D- oh, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, it, it's it's supposed to be the bottom track. Who cares? But uh, there's a quick shot. You could see it in this... Uh, they, they staged it, her dragging that tape down the hall. <laughs> you can't really see what she's doing. So that's just for us who know the story. But but I do love that. Yeah. And and who knows how, how accurate that telling of the... Of, uh, Verity's um, ongoing fight with the scenic designer was, but um, I love it really, that though. <laughs> it really rings true because you know that that that's a crowded and busy office, and they they felt like they've got important things to do, not for this kids show that's supposed to fill a, a half hour at tea time. Who cares? But then that moment where the guy says, "Okay, here." <laughs> and it becomes the iconic thing that we know and love. I, I I just adore that sequence, whether that's really how it happened or not, but just wonderful. Yeah. And the transition from the top down shot. I think for me, just the idea that Sydney Sydney Newman had this crazy idea that he thought could really work. And, you know, they kind of foreshadowed it when talking about Valentina, the astronaut, the female astronaut, but but just putting his trust in in Verity to execute just this, you know, he's the idea guy. <laughs> but then he just turns it over to her and say, do it. And I thought that was just really empowering to see. And, and just to see all the challenges she ran into along the way. And what, what Lee just mentioned with the with the set designer and and at every turn. And it make it makes me wonder. And I know some of it, they're probably making it more concise or embellishing for the movie, but but they had a lot of ideas early on that really rang true to what the doctor is. And 
And it just makes you think of, you know, how much of that was just made up for the movie, but excellently done, excellently done in any case. Um, but, but yeah, just, just the, the, the drama surrounding that and, and her ability to, to actually make it happen. I just found very fascinating. All right. Well, I'm going to point this next one to you first, Clarence. Bill Hartnell, William Hartnell, not the first doctor, but getting this intercept, you know, intercept, you know, getting details in this view into the life of the man behind the first doctor. What were your thoughts on William Hartnell? Well, it's very interesting to see the point where he's at in his career. He's done a lot of work, but not hireable, question mark. I'm thinking at this point, he's not getting a lot of work at, at his age. And then just this this thing comes along that is perfect for him, that he has to be convinced. <laughs> and he's coming in with a slight chip on his shoulder. I think it got worse as time went on. But <laughs> um, yeah, just to see him come in and, and take on this role. And again, you don't know what's being embellished for the movie, but some of the ideas he had around the how the doctor should be a little more lighthearted, I thought were poignant. But yeah, just just seeing kind of the struggle he had to do what he truly loved to do. Um, and just this 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 gem coming along and being the perfect thing for for him and his career. And just and also just I'll add the moments with his his true granddaughter um, were just very touching. Yeah, what, what a great idea that is of Mark Gatiss's to uh, to have. Bill Hartnell interacting and having this this uh, kind of precarious relationship with his real granddaughter. You know, I, d- I don't know how much of that is uh, based on fact or not, but what a wonderful thing. Yeah, I, I have to go along with Clarence. It's hard to know how much of this to take seriously about what Bill Hartnell brought to the series. I have read interviews with people who worked with him, people who were on the show, and uh, you can sense they're often straining to find something nice to say about him because apparently he was kind of a pill to work with. And I, I like the fact that they did not flinch from the fact that there are people at the BBC who are kind of making dark skin jokes about Warris because that's, we know that's true. But there were people who said that Bill Hartnell used to, used to call him the N word. Hmm. Oh, and wow. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the quote that I remember that I, I won't finish is, uh, uh, you know, how am I supposed to do this? I've got a woman as a producer and a as a director. Jesus um, Christ. Exactly. And so, but, you know, then you, then you want to say, well, he's kind of a product of his time. And he, yeah, and he was also kind of a, a jerk. <laughs> but I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know the man. But um I, I like the fact that they they really didn't flinch from that. I mean, when we first see him in this in this little film, he's he's doesn't seem like somebody I want to spend any time with, and and he's bemoaning the fact that he can't get hired. I think, well, you know, <laughs> uh, sober up and uh, see see what that does for you. And you made your granddaughter cry. Speaking of the granddaughter, really quick before I move to Nicole. I do believe that that was probably intentional. And again, kudos for Gatiss because sure. I think she had a, or she wrote his biography, I think that was released in the 90s and then re released right around this time. So she obviously had a, I would assume, good relationship with him, you know, through his death. So I think that was very strategic in putting her in there. 
Nicole, what about you? What were your thoughts of seeing the man behind the first Doctor? Yeah, I thought it was definitely interesting because, as you guys said, he starts off very, very acerbic, you know? (laughs) It's just like the way he is with his granddaughter and whatever, and even with his wife a little bit. And then, you know, you start to get, like, that nice scene with him and the kids out in the park, and he's just kind of... And even there's a nice scene where, you know, he has kind of snapped at uh, Carol Ann Ford and then gives her flowers to make up for it. And they have a few touching moments of kind of hugging each other. And so it's kind of like up and down, like he's kind of a jerk, but you also kind of feel sorry for him. And, you know, I, I'm on record for the 10th doctor when he says, I don't want to go at the time. I was just like, Oh God, shut up. You know, it's just, over him at that point but when they have William Hartnell say it in this I like start crying every time and I was just like oh my god you know and he just goes through this emotional journey with him and I don't know I I I think it's a you know I don't know how real the portrayal is how how does one know but um I think it's a it's definitely an interesting story to tell and he's certainly not the uh only hard person to work with it's played the doctor i mean we have plenty of tom baker stories so yes um you know it's it's that's not i'm not going to take him out of the running for that but yeah it's it's definitely an interesting story and i i definitely it's an emotional journey that you don't expect you're going to go on when you start out with this guy where you're like oh god what a jerk and then you end up at the end or at least i do i end up crying at the end so yeah no i I don't want to go yeah, the, his I don't want to go got me completely too to watching it yes. again. And I knew it was coming. Mm. Yes. Just, yeah, yeah. You 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 can dislike him, but he's just had everything taken away from him. Absolutely right. everything. It's just yeah. 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 You know, I agree with everything you guys again, I'm saying the same thing. I agree with everything you guys just say. I'll use my own grandfather as a parallel here. I think they Well, speaking of my grandfather, you know, I look at Hartnell and I see someone who was a product of his time, was in a different era that we're in, that as I've grown older, hear things about that, you know, makes that illusion that you had less of a of a pristine illusion as the small child had, but just as the doctor, my grandfather put me so high up on a pedestal that you couldn't bring me down from it. It was so high. That said, (laughs) I see the way they portrayed Hartnell here in a lot of the same way. You showed this person who had this one side and this one side was this bitter person because of circumstances and et cetera and so forth, but yet became something totally different with Dr. Who as portraying the doctor and then became to embrace that to the point to where he did do the, I don't want to go because that became all encompassing that he identified so much as that. And that I think is reality, but I think they lovingly did it to not defame him in any way, but did show some of his rougher edges. But it was real. This wasn't the story 
of the first doctor. This is the story of Bill Hartnell, who became the character, the first doctor. Yeah, And also him having to deal with change as we do in the, the normal show. Um, people that started this ride with him, you know, leaving the show as, as a showrunner, Wars leaving as a director. Also, when, when uh, Carol Ann Ford leaves, just people that he started this journey with leaving and he's, you know, all the change that's surrounding him and he finds himself the last man standing, so to speak. And, and just, just sad to see people, you know, just like on the normal show, sad to see his companions um, leave him. And I just, I just found that that's what struck me uh, by the time we get to the end of the story. And I love the fact, and this is so Doctor Who, that the end of the story was the beginning of the story. Because that yeah. scene that we see at the beginning is literally the ending. And so, so, so Doctor Who. Totally Doctor Who. And you even have, like, with a new crew coming in, like, uh, because the times are changing, but he's kind of staying the same because he's very of his time, there's kind of that tension there that, like, you know, because we're moving toward, like, uh, you know, maybe not the best social times, but, like, it's getting a little yeah. better. And so, yeah. but he's still kind of staying the same. So there's, like, a bit of that tension there. So I thought that was interesting that, you know, every, the world was moving on, but he was kind of staying the same. Yeah. And don't you love the, those, the montages of, uh, or at least the sort of the, the repeated device of the uh, photo op in front of BBC yes. central yes. With, yeah. where he's the same and is just with different companions every time. And, and each time he's looking a little more bewildered. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A little more distant. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, Lee, I want to point this next one to you. Let's get away from Hartnell and the first doctor for just a minute. And I want to get your idea on the story, the second story, the second serial, I should say, that g goes pop, 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 as Newman would have said. <laughs> What was your thought of this don't do bug-eyed monsters to getting the Daleks for the very first time? Thoughts? Yeah, I've often wondered about that because that seems to be Mark Gatiss telling a true story that Sidney Newman really had a specific idea of what science fiction is and that he wanted it to be something different from what it turned out to be. Because you know how much I love Brain and Brain of Morbius. I just love the fact that one of the things on his don't do list is brains in jars. Um, <laughs> I thought of you, by the way. Totally um, thought of you. Yeah, we'll, we'll never see that. Um, but And Verity goes out for it instead. And of course, she's right. And if if that part of the story is as depicted, then she's it's another way in which she's the one who saved Doctor Who. Because... Um, I, I see things like the Quatermass experiment, which I know were sort of the ne plus ultra of British science fiction at the time, and I, I just they they leave me really cold, and I get I have to think that's what Sidney Newman was thinking he he wanted, and I think that would have been deadly. It would have been just awful. And she's right; the Daleks aren't just robots, and they're not just bug-eyed monsters. They're in fact both, 
But she goes to bat for them because there's a story and there's a warning in the story and that she thinks that's a story worth telling. And the war was like in living memory. So yes. it was going to like, it's got its finger on the pulse. At exactly. The same time. Terry Nation really wants to tell a story about Nazis. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, I didn't know until fairly recently how long it took to clean up and rebuild parts of downtown London after the Blitz. But yeah, at the time this show is on, there's still, you can go to whole city streets that were bombed flat by the Luftwaffe in 1963. So you can't be in London and not be constantly reminded of it. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it was so powerful, so powerful. And uh, she knew. So Clarence, let me ask you this, and this is literally a pun on words here. What if there had never been the Daleks? Do you think we would still be sitting here discussing who in 2021 if, what if there were no Daleks? Uh, very unlikely. <laughs> if, if the story is to, to be believed, very unlikely. Um, this is when she's actually on the bus, when, when Verity <laughs> is actually on the bus. This is like one of those music movie moments i get <laughs> exactly uh, that i'm kind of relating to yeah this is the band of hearing right. on the radio you, mm-hmm. you hear the kids you know making the dalek noises exterminating and, and oh such a good moment such a good moment and you know I, lee i know you're 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 not you don't really like the daleks as much in today's <laughs> stories i'm thinking uh i just, i got tired of the daleks you got but, tired. Oh, that yeah, sense. that's that's different. But I love the thing where we're seeing them go before the camera the first time. And even the people on the floor are a little creeped yes. out by them. And I think, no, that's legit. That's, yeah, you're right. I, <laughs> I can see how in, yeah. in, in that time frame, seeing that on the screen. I mean, even I got creeped out by seeing it yeah. <laughs> in the movie. You know, so I could definitely see how they could see that on screen and know they had a hit on their hands. Um, just beautifully done. Mm. And and am I correct in saying I think we've talked about this before, but Terry Nation retained rights to the Daleks? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, mm. and and that was traditional that when you created a a, a character, then you you went away as the owner. Uh, that's true for the Cybermen and um, yeah, with Kit Pedler. Yeah, Kit Pedler. Yeah, and I so. think the Silurians are also. I think you're right. Uh, yeah. I can't remember now who has mm-hmm. the Silurian. I'm gonna kick myself for that, but yes. I remember well, Kit yes. Pedler though. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, now and and what a, another beautiful a bit of juxtaposition. Uh, it's it's one of the things in this script and the way it's shot that I admire most. But as Sidney Newman is reading the Dalek script, to his dismay. And it's talking about the first time that a Dalek um, kills somebody. And he's reading that with disgust. And we see a gun appearing. <laughs> yeah. And and it fires. And we cut to the news that John F. Kennedy's been killed. Yeah. Mm. And they're even saying exterminate right before exactly. that scene. Right. Yeah. It's so... It, it's really chilling. And... Um, and just before that, we had seen that the thing that, that presages um, them going out onto the Dalek planet, you know, from the end of Tribe of Gum, where the uh, the, the meter inside the TARDIS goes over to danger. Yes. And I noticed... Yeah, with the radiation. Exactly. 
And because, you know, I'm a nut about this kind of thing, I noticed that is the exact midpoint of this little hour-long movie. It's like, this is where everything's about to go to hell. And Mm. yeah, the assassination of Kennedy is what did it. The danger. So seeing these original colorized versions of the Daleks, what it reminded me of seeing them on TV, you know, we're seeing, you know, two dimensions. We're not seeing, you know, even the fourth and fifth dimension, not even the third dimension. We're two (laughs) dimension. And Clarence, what this reminded me of was the time... I, this may have been Hulanta, but I think we had seen one before then. But the first time I remember seeing a full-scale, someone had made a Dalek, and just thinking, wow, that's a lot bigger than I thought it was. you know. <laughs> and I could imagine these people, and that's what I was thinking about whenever I was watching this uh, Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, was I could imagine these people in the production booth looking down and seeing these huge metallic things for the very first time. And yes, that could probably creep the bleep out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I and think it was Hulanta. Yeah, because Hulanta had a, a special weapons Dalek that they mm, would like yes. leave in the hallway. And I was always like, oh, every time I walked by it, I was a little nervous. It was going to swing its head around and get me or something. Well, Clarence, yes. Clarence and I drank one, too, to, at Hulanta. Did you, somebody, <laughs> do you remember this? <laughs> that at the uh, the bar, they were making a, uh, I don't even know what was in it. We probably shouldn't have drank that. We, there's, our superpowers are coming. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it was some kind of at a red. it wasn't an olive. No. But it was some. It was some kind of a red fluid that had like some kind of a gold blob in it, something that wouldn't mix like oil and water. So it was just this kind of gold thing hanging there in this red fluid. And uh, yeah, I don't remember anything about what that tasted like or anything. Yeah. <laughs> now you're I guess, gonna yeah. be taken over by the Daleks. I was gonna point. say when they come uh, to take over the world, they, it's gonna yeah. switch you on. It's you're gonna the be twenty third century. There you go. Yeah. <sighs> or some other hideous mutation will. <laughs> mm. And just as long as you don't get one hoof, you'll be fine. (laughs) So uh, let me just move forward or move us a little bit forward. We're coming up on 55 minutes, not far from now. So let's kind of move on to this concept that helps keeping us discussing who, which was let's recast the title role. And Nicole, I'll start with you first on this one. This concept of renewal, as it was first called, that now is, of course, as we know, is regeneration. What was your idea or what were your thoughts of not just saying the role of the doctor is now being played by Patrick Troughton, but actually doing it in story? Thoughts? I thought that was an interesting way to show it because... You know, over the years, obviously, I've seen quite a few regenerations. And, you know, I've heard previous doctors talk about it. But it was really interesting seeing at least a dramatization of the first doctor going through that to be like, oh, this new actor is going to just take over from me. And this was something we'd Mm -hmm. never seen before. I mean, it it was a, a brilliant concept, but just the there's like an emotional pain with it, you know, (laughs) that, you know, obviously Hartnell didn't want his time to end. There's the awkward where Troughton was kind of like, 
you know, at least as portrayed in the movie, like, I'm kind of, I'm sorry, I'm taking over, you know. And it was just this awkward handover where it's like it never occurred to me that it was, especially the first time. Like, now we take it for granted. But, like, back then, nobody knew if that was going to sink the show or anything. I mean, it was just, I, I think it was very interesting. Oh, man. Again, this is pulling at the heartstrings. Uh, uh, Hartnell says several times that, um, well, the idea of being irreplaceable keeps getting brought up. Yeah. And and the first time he, well, it may have been, it may have been uh, William Russell who said it, uh, but but the idea of being replaced comes up and and he's like you know kind of brushes it off. But then the next thing we see is he gets his face on the, on this magazine or book. I can't remember what it was yeah. exactly. It must have been. It's Doctor and he's Who like, annual. Who's yeah. it? Re- yeah, he's like who's it? Re- who's replaceable? And he which cements his spot as the Doctor in this very popular show. You know his fortunes have turned. But you know by the end of it, he's wanting to sh- shake things up. Because, you know, he feels it. You know, he can't remember his lines. He wants to shake things up a bit to make the show keep going. But to his dismay, they've found a different way. And I could just, well, I guess I can't imagine how heartbreaking that would be for him. But obviously he he has to know that he he can't continue doing a job for a myriad of reasons. But brilliant, brilliant way of continuing the show. But, you know, just very sad for Hartnell. Oh, I, I can, before before I move on to Lee, I can give you a perfect example. If I were to say, hey, uh, Lee and Clarence, what do you think about let's doing something different on the next 250 episodes? And you two of you tell me, well, yeah, we, let's do, we're going to, we, we got some plans, but they just don't involve <laughs> you. Yeah. I mean, seriously, that would be like heartbreaking. Yeah, if so. you're going to regenerate discussing who. Yeah. <laughs> I, so yeah. Lee, what 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 were your thoughts? Oh, well, everything that, that Clarence and Nicole have said is just it is right on the money. Um, the Bill, the way as he's being played here, is um, he's in deep denial. You know, he keeps trying to come up with ways that they can fix it, like give me an outline of the script and I'll improvise from there. Well, no, you can't mm. do that in a show like this. That's not going to work. But you know, he gives it a shot. He he throws that idea out there. And if I'm understanding the history right, this is one of the times where we're fudging a little bit because Sidney Newman had also already gone by that time. Yeah, so, I think so uh, too. Yeah, so I think it's 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 really – and Doug Canfield is a character in, in the show. So it would have been nice to have shown him being the one who uh, suggested that idea because I think that at least there was a meeting that happened and Doug Canfield was there but to be able to say, uh, I got an idea. Yeah. Um, well, well, yeah. Well, can, I have a can question. Can I be the doctor without? Yeah. What? So I remember reading, and maybe I remember dreaming. Either one or one or the other. I'm not sure. But that's why I'm asking this question. I remember something that one of the original ideas, maybe, of this renewal was that they would share the role. Meaning, hmm. at certain points, he would renew into a younger version, which would be Troughton, but then revert back to the older? Or did I dream that? I wonder. I've never yeah. heard that before, but that's very interesting. It is. <laughs> yeah, neither have I. But but you know who, and this would be a perfect way for me to mention a former guest and a 
constant fan of the show, Dave Cooper. If you know the answer to my question that I just posed, let us know, because guess what? You probably will know the answer to that. So shout out to Dave Cooper. All right. So everyone, do you guys have favorite scenes and favorite quotes from this? Just curious. I mean, I wrote some down just in case, but... All right. So, yes. Yes. Good. Good. So, ladies first, Nicole, why don't you give them together favorite scene and favorite quote? I mean, is it a cop-out to say Matt Smith and the TARDIS at the end? (laughs) I mean, out of context, that sounds like that should be the worst moment. Like, it's overstepping or something, but it just works. I don't know why. I always start crying. I, I just... I don't know. It's just very moving. And it's just that sort of, you know, connection from where we are at that point in Doctor Who's history, the beginning. And it's just nice. I mean, Mm. obviously, William Hartnell is not imagining Matt Smith and the tortoise in real life. But it's just, I don't know. I just, I find that really endearing. Also, I do okay. like the caveman teeth moment. He's, that one yes. guy is so funny. He's like, I'll, I'll do, do it. it. <laughs> yeah. um, let's see. As far as quotes, <laughs> I love when Verity, when she's talking about becoming a producer and ruffling feathers, she says, if feathers don't ruffle, nothing flies. And I thought that was mm. like a really cool quote. So that's probably my favorite. Right. That or when uh, she says the war is Braveheart, darling. I was like, oh, yes. Keegan. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, awesome, awesome. All right, Clarence, favorite scene and favorite quote? Uh, favorite scene? Mm-hmm. Can I get my most heartbreaking scene? Sure. <laughs> that can be a favorite. Uh, and, and, and that's going to be when um, when when Hartnell starts to forget his lines for the, well, the first time we see it on screen. And he's just really struggling and he walks off set. And, and there is uh, Verity Lambert standing there and she wants to tell him that she's going to leave, but he just turns to her and says, like, you are my rock. I don't yes. know what I would do without you. Oh, man, yeah. that just ate me up. Yeah. <laughs> then the next scene, of course, she's give, uh, going away party. So, um, yeah, I think that will be both my favorite scene and favorite quote, even though heartbreaking, I might add. But I, I just thought it was a pivotal part of the movie. I, I didn't pick a favorite line or favorite scene this time. I, I think I've talked too much uh, this hour as usual anyway. But uh, I did want to mention, uh, I'm so glad that um, Clarence brought it up too. I it, They could have picked anything to be going on at this party where Verity is talking about the fact that she's you know about to leave TV because nothing's happening for her. But what they're watching is Valentina Tereshkova going to space. Yeah, I love that. What a what a brilliant once again, Gatus is a gift for juxtaposition. It's just that's perfect, you know. Uh, over there, a woman can go into space, <laughs> but over here, she's always going to be Sydney's assistant. And when she gets mm. pr- promoted, people assume apparently it's because she was sleeping with him. It's like, yes. oh my god, what? Well, yeah, okay, <laughs> and. It's that's how it that's how it was. Yeah, it just really it really hit me hard this time. That that's um that's just a great way of telling that story. Say call me call me darling one more time is what you said. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. So my favorite quote would be just because it just 
I like hearing it. It has nothing <laughs> to do with the story proper other than him going pop, pop, pop for some reason <laughs> that pop, just pop, pop. stuck in my head. The, especially the way the actor did the pop, pop, pop. It just was like really cool. I just as a side note, really love seeing our future master not being the master. He is such a good actor because he was so not what we saw as the master. And that just to me says, wow, you're such a good actor. That said, I'm going to go back to Nicole's scene as being, yes, cry moment. I didn't expect to cry watching it. I did cry watching it. But I think this time, and again, you know, we've said this countless times on this show, going into it in review mode puts this different spectacles, you know, and you see it in a different light. And my interpretation this time was what maybe Gatiss was trying to portray was, here's this actor at this moment about to film his final scene in 1966 in a story that back then, you know, stories, last shows, last three, four, five years, they're gone, never heard from again. And the offset to that is, as an audience, I'm seeing two days before the 50th anniversary celebration, this other actor who's portraying that exact same character 50, well, almost 50 years at that time later. That, to me, outside the two characters, the two actors, was what was really kind of emotional for me, was, wow, this concept endured. It regenerated, it changed, but it endured. That was beautiful. It occurs to me, and I didn't even make this connection until you were talking about it, that Matt Smith was on his way out, too. I mean, he wasn't, like, doing his last scene, but he was, like, he only had one more story. So, I mean, it, it was like he was about to regenerate as well, which made that connection. Neither had I. Yeah. Huh. And, Nor had I. Oh. Yeah. And, and for, for me, I think I may have liked the Matt Smith scene much less than you guys did. I, no, I don't I like it, was, it at all. <laughs> yeah. And, and, fight, and, and, fight, fight. My yeah. reason is that it took me completely out of the story. It, it, it kind of takes away from some of the timelessness of the story they were telling it just popped me back into whatever 23rd whenever this movie came out so I, I feel like it just didn't fit although it's a good easter egg i mean they they maybe need to do it like the special edition george lucas movies and just update it every year with the new doctor <laughs> oh god <laughs> it, just, it just didn't work for me i mean i can see what they were going for but it just threw me out of the movie to be honest that, that's my problem with it, too. But it is helpful to hear Nicole's perspective on it because uh, I, I, I do see that as well. But it just, in in editing, it looks to us as audience members, William Hartnell sees Matt Smith. And Which all I can think no is sense. he doesn't yeah. know who Matt is. Yes, Matt Smith hasn't been born yet. It doesn't. No sense. I agree. Totally. But I still like the meta-ness of it. But I, to- I totally agree. And, uh, and to echo what Clarence said is as a character piece or as a period piece, it does jar you into the metaverse for a moment. I agree. 
Um, one, as a little honorable mention, I think it was also really cool for them to end with actually the one day I shall come back, William Hartnell. That that was cool too. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I think just for a flash of an instant, didn't you think it was? Uh, did you did you think it was uh, David Bradley? William Hartnell. Did you think it was David Bradley for a second? Just just for a second. But then yeah. again, I've heard that so many times. Like I was critiquing when right. he did it. Bradley, I was like, you, your, your, your sound, you, you, you pitched up when you should have pitched down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we've already heard him do it in, in the movie. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's very interesting to me. Yeah. And sort of the last thing I think I would say about that is that I, I love that they ended with that. And because you have to hear it as being to us, right. And not to Susan. He's yeah. now he's talking to us. Um, but also the sort of credits on screen, just telling us a little bit about what happened to, to Sydney and Verity and, and Morris, because um, it might be easy to, to think, wow, this ship was sinking and Verity and Morris got away as quickly as they could. But they, they made this show what it was, and it succeeded because of them, and both were rewarded with these extraordinary careers. Yes. And um, this was just the, the their entry point into um, really, really fantastic careers. And Morris, Morris is still, is still with us. around. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would like to forego, if you guys don't mind, I would like to forego giving a final rating because I think this is history and I think it rates itself. Mm. So if like it's that. okay with you guys, I would like to forego final ratings unless you guys are really passionate about the rating i'll give you five reasons why we can forego it okay <laughs> also I, I like five reasons does anybody else disagree with clarence's five reasons i personally agree with his five reasons absolutely i agree with the five reasons as well <laughs> awesome excellent and, and very very well played excellent that was cool all right nicole where else might you be found on the internet? Oh, like by a stalker or something going to yeah. find me. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> like a Dalek coming to get you. Ooh, oh, gosh. What's um, your street address is what he's asking. <laughs> yeah, well, I have a P.O. box. I could give you yeah. that. But anyway, um, so I do a podcast occasionally. I'm trying to get it back resurrected, regenerated, uh, called Terminus. And that is at terminus.libsen.com, or that's probably the easiest way to find me, I think. Sometimes or an I... even easier way is at discussingnetwork.com, because you're oh, that's right. Discussing that's Network. That's right. I, I'm like part of the party now. But yeah. yeah, so we're trying to make that happen. So um, yeah, that's probably the best way. Um, I probably also comment on the uh, Discussing Who page occasionally, so... You can find me there. Uh, I think that's it. Discussingnetwork.com. Look for us on okay. Facebook. Search for the Discussing Network. There you go. Sweet. Clarence Brown, what about you? Uh, I'll say if you're into lower decks, we've started reviewing the latest season. So if you're into that, you can go to discussingtrek.com where we have the reviews of the latest episodes. Ah, uh, who cares? <laughs> I will say, Lee Shackelford, you did make an impression on me in our last conversation. 
Clarence can attest, I was much nicer about Lower Decks last night. <laughs> well, good. Well, we got a good episode to, to maybe uh, push that along with you. <laughs> so I, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> so in closing, I do have something that I have written that I would like to say since this is our 250th episode. So let me say this in closing. Are we going to cry? So, yeah. No, no, oh, okay. no, no. Okay. No. Dim the lights. I, I, thought, I thought I'd just start now. And... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so here we go. So I like continuity and making events on a timeline. As a kid, I loved putting my comics in order by title and number sequence, even though they were destined to never remain that way. There's so much bad in this world, especially over the last few years, and, and celebrating even the smallest, non-seemingly important things are, well, important. When I originally thought about this as the 250th episode, I focused on the happiness around the creation of the show that we all know and love. Yet, when watching, I thought of how terribly sad that this story is and almost thought of doing something else. But then I thought about it. Isn't that life? Things happen. There are ups and downs. There are wins and there are losses. I face them, you face them, we all face them. Doing this every Tuesday night helps me escape. It is, quite honestly, therapy. Whether it's believing that a Saturday evening kids show could go pop, 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 or if it were to get out of your comfort zone and get in front of a camera or a mic or whatever it is that you yourself accomplished today, it is worth celebrating. And if you've made it this far in this episode, I hope a celebration is what this episode has been and what all of our episodes are. The heart of Discussing Who is the discussion. The communication not only between myself, Clarence, and Lee, and co-hosts like Nicole, but with you, everyone listening right now. The time you've taken to comment on our various media for those of you who support us on Patreon, and those who simply listen faithfully to each and every episode, you are appreciated in the most absolutely fantastic way. As I bring this 250th episode to a close, I want to thank Lee and Clarence for being, well, Lee and Clarence, and invite everyone on this next chapter on our adventure in space and time. And with that, as always, we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.